Our scripture for today comes from John chapter 12. If you're able, if you would stand for the reading of our scripture. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There they gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of Jesus' disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? And he said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You can be seated. Have you ever had your heart broken? Has anyone ever asked you if you've had your heart broken? Our Bible story for today is a heartbreaking one. Around the dinner table at Lazarus' house, we have Jesus, who knows at this point that he is going to die soon. And we have Mary, who knows that her dear friend is going to die soon. And we have Judas, who is supposedly Jesus' friend and follower, but he already has plans to betray him. It's easy for us to hate Judas, but I don't think it's that simple. Judas makes this cutting comment to Mary about wasting this expensive perfume on Jesus' feet. And Jesus says, don't mess with her, Judas. You always have the poor with you. You won't always have me. Jesus knew Judas didn't care about the poor. He really only cared about having more money in his pockets. The text goes out of its way with this parenthetical insertion to let us know that Judas doesn't actually care about the poor. Jesus says, in essence, you'll always be able to steal from the poor, Judas. But soon you won't be able to steal from me anymore. Can you imagine how sad that was for Jesus? After all Judas had seen, all the need they saw every day with people flocking to Jesus for help, Judas was still more interested in the money than in the people. He was still more interested in power and status, a lot like the religious leaders who had begun plotting to kill Jesus. How sad, but how true 
for all of us. One scholar points out how interesting it is that the teacher who has been regarded by many as the most Christ-like figure of the modern world, Mahatma Gandhi, was, of course, not a Christian. It is true that we can be Christians who are not Christ-like. Part of following Jesus is facing the truth that even when we know Jesus very well, even if we followed him closely for a long time, even if we're convinced, convinced that we are doing God's work, we all have it in us to be destructively selfish. At one time or another, we all prioritize power or position or safety or comfort or tradition or theology or any number of good and important things that aren't the most important things to Jesus. So who is the person in the story who is closer to Jesus' priorities? That person is Mary, Lazarus and Martha's sister. Something we need to know is that in the Gospel of John, women function as models for discipleship. They show up in Jesus' most important moments at his birth, his death, his resurrection, his miracles, and here in his final days. Mary is the model for discipleship in this story, so what can we learn from her? What is it that she models for us? I think it's pretty obvious that one trait of discipleship Mary models for us is extravagant sacrifice. The jar of perfume that Mary broke and massaged into Jesus' feet contained oils that were used for preparing the dead for burial. The perfume was worth nearly a year's wages. Imagine that, a woman spending a year's wages to massage this oil into Jesus' feet. But the broken jar and the spilled perfume are not the most valuable sacrifice Mary makes. I think the most extravagant sacrifice of all is Mary's broken heart. In a moment of courageous vulnerability, Mary breaks her heart open and pours it all at Jesus' feet. Her grief is honest and intense. Our Lenten memory verse, spoken just a few verses after this text, says, Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. Mary shows us what Jesus is talking about. She doesn't follow Jesus like we follow people on social media, from a distance, checking it out to see what this person is about, whether or not she's going to buy in. 
Mary is there, vulnerable, risking herself emotionally and spiritually and relationally. She is close enough to Jesus to touch his feet, to wipe them with her hair, covering herself, filling the entire house with the intense smell of these oils. Jesus' heart is broken, and Mary's heart is broken too. Jesus is dying, and a part of Mary is dying too. God's story is one about courageous acts of vulnerability that shake and shift the universe. Like Jesus coming to earth and making himself vulnerable to us, broken by us, yet unwilling to look away from love, even when it meant dying. We have unfortunately lost our sense of how much the early Christians prioritize this sense of vulnerability and brokenness. In the first century of Christianity, many gave their lives because they believed so deeply in the way of Christ. And this was so important to the early Christians that for hundreds of years, the bones of a Christian martyr had to be beneath the altar in order for it to be a Christian altar. And you know, this is the way children experience the world. Broken open. Like we saw in our story with Bella today. The highs and the lows, the terror and the wonder, the tenderness and the vulnerability. That's what Jesus meant when he told us that unless we are transformed and become like children, we will never truly be with God. The gospel for us here in this room is that even we can live this way. Being human is hard. And Jesus invites us to let ourselves be broken open, to be honest and vulnerable, to make space for brokenness in our everyday lives. And this really goes against what we're expected to do. So it takes courage, and it takes practice. But it is really the only way to a life of true freedom. When I was a youth minister, we met in the fellowship hall on Sunday nights, which was a one-story room that had beautiful chandeliers, a very formal space. Chandeliers not all that different from this room, except we were in a one-story room. And our favorite game to play was circle dodgeball, which was as terrible an idea as it sounds. (laughs) But we loved it, of course. So we played it really often. One night we were in the circle and we were playing dodgeball, and one of our youth named Tim was the person who was it. He was in the middle of the circle. Tim was a little different. He had cerebral palsy, and it affected the way that he moved. It affected his coordination, and it also affected the way that he experienced everything 
about the world. So there was Tim in the middle of the circle, laughing and giggling and shouting and yelling, having a great time. And Tim fell. And he fell really hard. And after he fell, he didn't get up. He laid on the floor, crumpled. And he started to cry. And he cried loud and he cried hard. We were standing in this circle, everyone silent, looking at what was going on. And one of our youth, who I will call Mr. Cool, who was the biggest, the strongest, the oldest, the coolest, saw what happened and he put his ball on the ground and he walked over to Tim and he bent down and they whispered to each other for a minute. And when they were ready, Mr. Cool picked Tim up in his arms. And he carried him like this to the edge of the circle. And he helped him stand up, get himself together, so that we could all start playing again. This was one of many times that Tim broke all of us open and helped us to be more like Jesus. Living with a broken heart doesn't just happen when there's pain or grief or struggle. It happens when we see someone else who's hurting or broken and we prioritize that person's well-being over being tough or being cool or being the winner. It happens when we're truly honest about what's going on in our lives and are brave enough to talk about it and ask for help. And we're broken open when we're forgiven, or when we're loved, or when we're struck with awe and wonder. What would it be like if we asked ourselves each day, what broke my heart today? What if we valued brokenness more than being put together and perfect? What breaks God's heart? And how can we be broken by that too? It's a risky and mysterious way to live. Yet God chose to be vulnerable with us. To be broken with us. And even by us. So let your heart be broken. Risk yourself for God.